this has been an incredibly difficult decision mm -hmm. to make um, because self-represented litigants um, found their way into my heart in a way that I never really anticipated when I first started doing this work. And that is where they remain and will, where they will always remain. Hello and welcome once again to Jumping Off the Ivory Tower. My name is Dana Cornwall and I'm the project manager at the National Self-Represented Litigants Project. And I'm Julie McFarland, the director of the Self-Represented Litigants Project and happy 2020 everybody Yay! and welcome to season five I of the podcast. I can't believe it. I can't believe we're on season five. Yeah, more than 50 episodes now. Well, this is our 50th episode. Oh, this is the 50th. This is the 50th. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations, Julie. And congratulations, Dana. And <laughs> we are you. going to be re-releasing some of our past episodes as well over the coming months. So look for them. There's so much great content there. Yes. So many wonderful guests. So many wonderful guests. So today, we've got a little bit of a kind of a special episode to begin 2020. Uh, as some of you may or may not be aware, we have some very exciting news. Julie has been named a recipient of the Order of Canada this year, which is huge and exciting, and it makes her so embarrassed. <laughs> And I had to convince her that we needed to do this episode and talk about this mm. <laughs> because it is such a huge deal and so wonderful and so well-deserved, I will say. And that's how all of us at the NSRLP feel that this is very well-deserved. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So this is going to, we're going to start off with a conversation between Julie and myself. We're going to talk not only about this exciting honor, um, but also about what the coming year will look like for the NSRLP. And we've got some other, uh, news to share with yes. you on that front. And then later on, we're going to hear from a few, we'll call them friends of the NSRLP from across a, ra a spectrum of, of backgrounds, both self reps, uh, some of our board members and one of our, our lovely research assistant students. And they're all going to talk a little bit about why NSRLP matters to them. But to start off with, I've got a pretty basic question for you, Julie. Um, what does it feel like to be awarded the Order of Canada? Well, I was very taken aback. I got this phone call uh, actually at 8 o'clock in the morning before our board meeting. It was the day of our advisory board meeting, uh, which was a very uh, auspicious day, I suppose. And they had called because they wanted me to be able to tell the board at that point in confidence. I have to admit, you know, as a naturalized Canadian who loves her country, I still had to Google Order of Canada on my phone <laughs> after I got the call, as did my American husband. And what does it feel like? It, it feels amazing um, in terms of a recognition of the work that I've done over the years. And, and that's the most important part. Mm. And it also feels, you know, slightly weird because, you know, as a Brit, uh, I'm, I'm kind of hyper aware of, you know, our, our weird colonialist traditions. <laughs> and to find myself now being one of those weird colonialist <laughs> traditions is, is a little counterintuitive. I'm getting a lot of flack for this from some of my British friends, as you might imagine. <laughs> But overall, um, I am honored and I'm really hopeful that it will help us increase the visibility 
of self-represented litigants. And I feel like maybe we should mention that you were nominated by a group of self-represented litigants. Yes, which is terrific. Mm -hmm. So you have said to me and to Moya and to, to some of us that receiving the Order of Canada feels validating in a number of ways. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think first and foremost, it's clear that the, that the award is related to the work that we're doing at the project, so that feels tremendously validating mm. that we now have self-represented litigants and advocacy around issues that affect self-represented people kind of going mainstream, mm -hmm. uh, which of course was what Sue Rice and I were always trying to do with this right from the very beginning. I think given that the person who called me to tell me clearly had researched my file and clearly knew everything about me, it's also a recognition for the other issues that I work on, mm -hmm. uh, including issues around sexual violence um, and more recently in particular around the immoral, in my opinion, use of non-disclosure agreements to cover the tracks of people. And I think there was something that one of the self-reps wrote to me that was after the award was announced that was very meaningful, which, which has really stuck with me, which was that he had always thought that the Order of Canada was for the elites mm -hmm. and for the establishment, which I have to say I would probably have thought too yeah. if I'd given me it too. any thought. Yeah. And that this award shows that it is also for ordinary people. Mm. And, and I think that really makes me proud of Canada and especially proud that my country would give this award to somebody like me who has often been controversial, whose opinions have sometimes been outlier opinions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it feels like a recognition that we don't always get change just by being cautious and safe, but sometimes we have to speak out mm -hmm. and speak frankly, uh, speak truth to power. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, it feels enormously validating. So, uh, more specifically, what do you think this award says about NSRLP and our work around self-representation in Canada and access to justice? I think it says that increasingly this is seen as an issue that affects all Canadians, that standing up for self-represented litigants and, and reinforcing this reality that for most people this really isn't a choice. Yep. It's something that they're forced to do because they don't have the funds to continue with expert assistance. And continuing to you know, really press that message forward and look at this as an equality issue, because it is an equality issue. Mm -hmm. When you have a self-rep on one side and you have a lawyer on the other, there's an inequality that many many lawyers recognize and certainly self-represented litigants do. And so there's a lot more that we need to do to make this adjustment because as we often say at the project, self-represented litigants change everything about the justice mm -hmm. system and what access to justice means. And I think that it really encourages me that we have to go on pressing um, for, and this is particularly important for this, this coming year in our plans, for stability, for mm -hmm. financial stability for the NSRRP. It needs to be a permanent part of the landscape. It needs to have a really stable financial and home base. And, of course, that leads us to some of the plans that we're going to make this year. Speaking a little bit about that, I know that this um, honour comes at a reflective point in your career. Um, where do you see your path personally, specifically heading now? Well, what I have told yourselves and the students and, and my board, mm -hmm. and I now you know, would like to do 
more broadly through this podcast is that I have made the decision to step aside as the director in a year from now, in other words, at the end of 2020. This has been an incredibly difficult decision Mm -hmm. to make because self-represented litigants found their way into my heart in a way that I never really anticipated when I first started doing this work, and that is where they remain and where they will always remain. And I'm not disappearing. I'll Mm -hmm. say some more about that in a minute. But there's a couple of things. One is my health. I have chronic cancer. And I have to be measured about the amount of time I have to do the work that I want to do in. Uh, And I need to release myself from some of the pressures of of the work that we work under at the NSRLP. I'm also uh, doing more and more work around sexual violence issues and working with survivors. And I have a new book coming out Mm -hmm. this year that I'd like to be able to have some time to talk about and so forth. But as well as all of this... One of the things that starting an organization, starting a project like this um, brings with it as sometimes I think the biggest challenge of all is what's sometimes called the founder's challenge. Mm -hmm. And I know that the NSRLP is very much coexistent with me and my name. And we've talked about this Mm -hmm. in the office for some time and what we can do about that. And I think it's tremendously important that we put a plan in place now that allows the NSRLP to continue to go forward without me. My, you know, number one goal is the longevity of this organization that doesn't, that serves a purpose that no other organization anywhere in North America serves. There is no other organization Mm -hmm. working between the public and the justice community. And I think the work we do is absolutely critical. And I want us to continue doing that. But that means that I need to start getting ready to step aside. Uh, And that means a number of very practical things. It means um, finding a new director Mm -hmm. in my place who I'm afraid, you know, this might not be good news for whoever this will be, but I will be at their shoulder. Uh, I'm certainly not disappearing, and I will certainly be part of, of, of the NSRLP, continue to be as an advisor, but not as the director. And we need to find um, the right home or host, wherever that might be, that really shares our vision and is committed to promoting the work that we do and helping our reach, if you like. Um, It's really important that the NSRLP continues to do the kind of empirical research that we do that can ground all of these potential solutions we talk about in real data Mm -hmm. uh, and continue to to really push forward this message that the justice system is for everybody. We need a collaboration between the public, between the users and, and the system providers. And... I'm hoping this year to raise a bunch of money to do yes. that. And, you we know, need that. Yes. we need some <laughs> core funding. We've been tremendously, yeah. tremendously successful in project funding. We have, I think, seven current grants. Yeah. I mean, it makes your head spin. It and really does. Just managing them <laughs> is a huge job for Moya, just managing the grants. But we also need core funding that will allow us to pay for the professional staff for you and for Moya and for the new director who comes on in my place and we need some stability we need you know some commitment going forward so that we're not constantly sitting at this kitchen table writing grant proposals yes (laughs) but instead we have some core budget so that's going to be my focus this year Um, I have to do it with a mind to the fact that I am going to be stepping 
into something of the background, mm -hmm. although still very much there at the end of the year. But I believe we can do this, and I hope that the Order of Canada sets us up to do that. So finally, what does it mean for the NSRLP to go forward without you? Well, I think this is part of what I described as the Founders Challenge, that it's so important for the NSRLP to have really deep roots and there are many people out there who are committed to our vision, both members of the public and people in the justice system. I know that this can go forward without me. Um, I certainly want it to stay true to its mission mm -hmm. of speaking truth to power and collaboration between the public and the justice system uh, community. But I do believe it can go forward without me. Uh, and it's going to have to. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to make a plan to make that work. And that's my commitment for this year. I'm going to be, we don't have venues and dates yet, but we're going to be doing fundraising, speaking, a tour across the country. Um, if anybody out there would like to invite me to come and speak about NSRLP or any aspect of our work, and perhaps while you know I'm in your city to talk to um, local funders and potential donors and encourage private donations, you know, we're looking at every possible avenue Absolutely. here that will enable us to have some stable funding. And I just want to conclude this conversation by saying that, Julie, you have the absolute full support um, for all of these decisions. From myself, I know I can speak for Moya, from, for our, our student research assistants, for our advisory board. Um, we could not be more delighted that you've won the Order of Canada. We could not be more... Um, honored and, and amazed by the work that you've done over the last number of years for self-represented litigants. Um, this is, you know, this is a, it's a hard thing to think about, you know, moving forward without you. Um, but we know that this needs to happen, that it's important. And as you say, for all of the reasons that you just talked about, that it's important that, um, we have a long-term yes. plan. Um, but you will never not be, the, the founder, the director emeritus, whatever, whatever we want to call you of the NSRLP. And, um, but again, we, we fully support this decision and, and completely understand where you're coming from. And believe Thank me, you. you don't owe us or anybody anything <laughs> because well, you have worked Well, it's been made much easier for me by the support that I've had from everybody. Uh, as I say, it's a difficult decision. And hey, we're ending this conversation exactly where we started it, with me feeling very embarrassed. So <laughs> that's good. That was my goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might become a little bit more embarrassed because we're going to hear now for, from some other folks who, um, who feel very strongly about both you and the NSRLP. My name is Jennifer Muller, and I'm a former self-represented litigant, and I'm on the advisory board of the NSRLP. I've been involved in access to justice work for a number of years, and one of the many reasons the NSRLP is so important is that it's solely focused on the users of the justice system. The NSRLP reflects a unique balance of research, resources, and advocacy that really helps people feel less alone in the process of self-representation. And I think that's really at the center of why the NSRLP is so important and why it matters so much. 
For me personally, when I was an SRL, I felt like I was the only person in British Columbia that was representing themselves in court. And I felt shame in that belief. But when I became acquainted with Julie's work and the NSRLP, it was like a whole new world was unveiled and I suddenly saw the situation in an entirely new light. Rather than believing that I was somehow at fault for being unable to afford a lawyer, I saw the justice system itself as being flawed at its inability to serve all Canadians fairly. The NSRLP is based on research and data that reflects the truths about who SRLs really are, and that has enabled a new sort of conversation to be had about access to justice in Canada. The curtain is being pulled back, and we have to acknowledge that what is happening in terms of the access to justice crisis isn't in line with the kinds of values that set Canada apart from many other countries. The NSRLP has enabled justice system stakeholders to better understand the needs of the public in a way that I think they never really have before. And this is the beginning of how change happens when a new understanding comes to light. And to me, that is really important and really matters. My name is Robert Lapper. I'm the David and Dorothy Lamb Chair in Law and Public Policy at the University of Victoria. In my former capacity as Chief Executive Officer of the Law Society of Ontario, I had the pleasure of becoming acquainted with the National Self-Represented Litigants Project at its beginnings. I've continued to work with it from time to time since then. Without question, it has given voice, profile, legitimacy, and acceptance and understanding to the problems and issues associated with those who have to represent themselves in our complex justice system. For those of us working in the system, it has given us some important perspective on our work and caused a sea change in many of our attitudes. It has caused us to think critically about how we practice as justice system professionals and has shaken us out of complacency to challenge accepted norms of what it means to be a good legal service provider and what it means to have a fair and inclusive court and administrative process. Indeed, the NSLRP has become an icon for the access to justice movement in Canada. This work continues to be important. This work is far from done. We must ensure that the NSLRP remains viable and sustainable as a key component of the advancement of access to justice in Canada. Thank you. I'm Jeff Rose Martland in St. John's, Newfoundland. When I ran into legal problems, like many self-reps, I found myself unable to pay a lawyer. Also, like many others, it was nearly impossible to find a lawyer even willing to discuss my case, and truly impossible to find a lawyer to represent me, even if I had the money. My options were giving up my rights or going it alone. I became a self-rep in 2015, and at that time, there was very little information available to the public on how to represent themselves, or even about how the legal system operates. I knew I couldn't be the only person facing this problem. Eventually, I found the NSRLP. Their resources answered some of my most pressing questions, but more than that, the NSRLP confirmed that I wasn't alone as a self-rep, and that someone was taking the issues seriously. Professor Julie McFarlane was the first to study self-reps by actually talking to people like me. 
Even today, much of the discussion surrounding self-reps takes place amongst legal insiders who have only their own opinions to go by and little direct contact with self-reps themselves. Professor McFarland's work as a scholar and the driving force behind the NSRLP is critical to bridging the knowledge gap so that real solutions may be found. The NSRLP champions the rights of self-reps like me to receive fair treatment in a system designed by and for specialists, but which is supposed to be accessible to all. Canada's justice system is in crisis. Fewer and fewer people can afford lawyers. Legal aid is only available for certain matters and to certain income levels. Pro bono work is extremely limited. In increasing numbers, people are forced by circumstance into DIY lawyering, which puts even more strain on the already stressed system. As justice becomes less accessible to the common people, the public becomes less confident in our society's ability to ensure equal protection for everyone. The only way to prevent total collapse of the justice system is to address access issues. This involves collecting, analyzing, and communicating the experiences of those of us who are not represented in court. The NSRLP is the only organization dedicated to doing this. The NSRLP brings together system insiders and those of us forced to infiltrate the system. Its devotion to finding viable solutions for self-reps in short and long term is unmatched. And most importantly, the NSRLP is the only organization that actively seeks out self-reps for their experiences and opinions. It's the only group collecting and analyzing the data, and it's the only group where self-reps feel that their experiences matter. My name is Kayla Scarrow. I am a third-year law student at the University of Windsor and research assistant with the NSRLP. Having worked with the NSRLP since my first year at Windsor Law, I can definitively say that this has been the most important thing I've done in law school. This is because of the impact the project has had on me as a person, student, and future lawyer, and the impact the project has on the legal system. Not only have I enhanced my research and writing skills by preparing reports and primers, I have also had the opportunity to interact with real people, something that law school isn't really well known for. You know, in law school, we focus on studying, discussing, and analyzing cases so we can understand and apply legal principles, which is, of course, a critical skill for lawyers to have. But in working with the NSRLP, I have been able to go beyond the classroom and gain real-world perspective through my interactions with self-represented litigants. I have a better understanding of what real people are actually going through in any particular case, beyond just the facts of the case and the law. The NSRLP also directly impacts SRLs and the legal system generally. The project produces resources that assist people with things like requesting accommodations during the court process, how to research case law, and how to read judicial opinions. I have spoken with a number of SRLs who credit the NSRLP resources and support to their ability to manage their legal battles. The NSRLP also works to shed light on and help develop solutions to the challenges and inequities SRLs face when navigating the legal system. For instance, last year, the NSRLP celebrated its five-year anniversary and held an event that hosted individuals from across the country. During that event, people broke off into small discussion group sessions where I witnessed lawyers, judges, academics, and self-represented litigants interacting and discussing problems and challenges and coming up with real, plausible, and logical solutions. It was incredible. The NSRLP matters. It matters to self-represented litigants, to students, to lawyers, to judges, and the legal system as a whole.
I will be graduating in just a few short months. Um, and working with the NSRLP is really what I will remember from law school. Hello, my name is Shannon Salter and I chair the Civil Resolution Tribunal in British Columbia. In this role, I've been lucky to have a front row seat to the invaluable work that NSRLP, Julie, and her whole team do every day. NSRLP is not only a strong voice campaigning for access to justice for everyday people in Canada, it is that, but it's also a pragmatic, focused research organization working hard to fill some of the many holes in our understanding of how our justice system works, and more importantly, who it leaves behind. By making visible the needs of self-represented people in Canada, NSRLP generates important data to increase equality in our justice system. Congratulations to Julie and the whole NSRLP team on their many, many contributions to building a fairer justice system in Canada. Here's to many more successes to come. I want to sincerely thank Jennifer, Rob, Jeff, Kayla, and Shannon for all taking time out of their very busy schedules to sit down and record their thoughts on why the NSRLP matters. I noticed there were a few through lines in the things that they talked about, uh, in particular that Jennifer and Jeff, who are our self-reps in this conversation, both spoke about how the work of the NSRLP has helped them to feel not quite so alone while they're self-representing. I noticed that all of our guests also spoke about the importance of research into the SRL phenomenon and into the lived experience of self-represented litigants. Um, And we agree that that is a huge part of our work and a huge part of what drives us, that we're trying to make change and that change needs to be based on empirical research. And then finally, I really like what both Kayla and Rob had to say along the lines of the work we do challenging the accepted norms within the justice system. That's a big part of what drives us is to really, as uh, was noted, pull back the curtain on the justice system and really look at how it's working and whether it's working. All that being said, I hope it has given you a sense of why NSRLP matters, why we want to continue to to do this work. And as Julie and I noted at the top of the show, we are at a really critical juncture in our life as an organization. As we talked about, we have been kind of surviving for the last few years, uh, largely on project grants. And those are great. They've allowed us to take on a lot of awesome projects. But what we really need to survive and have a long-term plan is significant core funding that goes towards salaries, keeping the lights on, and just kind of the daily operational things that we need to do as an organization. So we're asking you for your help. There are a couple of things you can do to help us out. And the first and the easiest is to simply spread the word about the self-rep phenomenon, about the access to justice crisis, and about the fact that NSRLP exists and what it does. I know from personal experience that not a lot of people are even aware of the access to justice crisis. I certainly wasn't before I began my work with the NSRLP, and it was a big revelation to me, as I know it is to lots of other people when they hear about it. So if you can help us by spreading the word, that would be tremendously helpful. Um, We're looking for financial help across different sectors, not just the justice sector. And one of the ways to do that is to increase our awareness. So if you can help us in that way, it really would go a long way. 
The second thing you can do, of course, is to consider donating yourself to the NSRLP. Every dollar counts. Believe me, we are experts at making every single cent stretch as far as it can possibly go. We are really good at doing a lot on a little. And you can make that donation by going to our website, nsrlp.com, and clicking on the button on the top right-hand corner of your screen. It's a blue button. It says Donate. And if you click on that, you'll see instructions for how to make your donation. We are immensely grateful for any support you can give us. We have gone a long way with the support of all of our friends and followers, and we know that we will continue to do that. So thank you so much for everything that you have done to spread the word about the NSRLP, and we ask you to keep doing that. We're really excited about the future. We're really excited about the things that we're going to do over the coming year, and we can't wait to tell you more about that. So stay tuned. In other news... Welcome back to the Another News segment of Jumping Off the Ivory Tower. There has been a lot happening in the world of access to justice since the end of Season 4, and a lot of exciting updates you might have missed about the NSRLP. Given that today's episode is about the future of NSRLP in the year 2020, it's also a great time to summarize what you might have missed in the second half of 2019. We've also had a lot of new interest in NSRLP since the announcement of Julie's induction into the Order of Canada, so many of you might be hearing some of this for the first time. Once we're all caught up on our own NSRLP news, I'll use the segment in our next episode to run through some other highlights in the world of access to justice from the past couple of months, including developments involving legal aid, class actions, new access to justice funds, and a comprehensive study on the need to invest in justice. For our first NSRLP update, you might have missed a major announcement in September that NSRLP is growing. Thanks to the Law Foundation of British Columbia, NSRLP has launched NSRLP West, located in Kamloops, British Columbia, at the Thompson Rivers University Faculty of Law. NSRLP West will build on the work of the NSRLP and will focus explicitly on access to justice concerns in Western Canada beginning first with British Columbia, and hopefully Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, the Yukon, Northwest Territories, and Nunavut. If you live in Western Canada and have had experiences being self-represented in the legal system, please consider filling out NSRLP's intake form and indicating that you are interested in NSRLP West. Next up, our blog is still going strong. What began with a single blog post by Julie in June of 2012 has grown into a robust and award-winning collection of posts about access to justice. In February of 2019, we officially rebranded the blog and gave it a name, The Access Revolution, Dispatches from the Front Lines. The goal was to create a truly collaborative blog platform that would publish posts by SRLs and justice system professionals. Since the end of our last podcast season, we've had 16 new blog posts. A number of these posts were written by Julie or members of the NSRLP team, covering the federal election and stakeholder culture, the statement of principles debate, the priorities of the Law Society of Ontario, and even a Halloween blog post on access to justice in the Harry Potter universe. 
Four articles were written by SRLs, looking at the Law Society complaints process, the self-regulation model, the right to justice in Quebec, and a reminder that being in court doesn't mean that you failed at life. We also had a truly collaborative blog post, co-authored by an SRL and a lawyer examining the issue of unscrupulous practices in the legal profession. Rounding out the list, we also had a post by BC Chief Justice Robert Bauman on the use of Twitter for access to justice, and a post by a family lawyer on innovation and how to fix the legal industry. If you missed any of those exciting updates, you can find them all under the blog tab of our website. We're also continuously soliciting new content, so be sure to reach out if you have an idea in mind. Lastly, Bronte Petrick, the wonderful podcast editor for Jumping Off the Ivory Tower, created a documentary short film titled Defender. The documentary covers Julie and her work in creating the NSRLP and being a champion for access to justice. The documentary was one of 10 finalists in TV Ontario's Short Doc Contest in September and was shown at the Windsor International Film Festival in November. If you haven't seen this brilliant short film, we highly recommend you check it out. That's it for this episode of Jumping Off the Ivory Tower. We hope you'll continue tuning in for the rest of Season 5, which will include some brand new conversations and also bring back some familiar voices. Join us for our next episode to hear from Malcolm Mercer, the treasurer of the Lost Society of Ontario, and Anne Rempel, a longtime contributor of the Access Revolution blog and a critic of the Lost Society's self-regulatory complaint system.